Welcome into the inaugural edition of MCM Draft Radio. I am Jimmy Morris. I am joined by Justin Mello. Justin, how are you tonight? I can't complain, Jimmy. Happy to be doing our first episode here. Absolutely, man. Glad to have you on. Glad to have you a part of the Music Miracles team. So if you're used to this feed bringing you the football and other F-words podcast, uh, you'll still be getting that show through this feed, the MCM radio feed. But in addition to that, Justin and I are going to be doing a show. We're going to call it MCM draft radio leading up to the draft. So um, if you're already subscribed, great. If you're not search out MCM radio, that's what you'll be looking for uh, in the podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Um, you can subscribe to the show. And like I said, you'll get our show as well as football and other F words. And if you haven't listened to those guys, you need to, they're awesome, hilarious, uh, very entertaining and, and you know, good, Titans content as well. So check them out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at jmorrismcm. Uh, I am the managing editor of musiccitymiracles.com. We run that site for over 12 years at this point. Um, you can follow Justin on Twitter. He is at justinm underscore NFL. Justin has been doing a lot of awesome interviews for us at musiccitymiracles.com, and he also writes for the Draft Wire. Tonight we are going to talk Titans draft needs. Uh, unfortunately, the Titans did not make the playoffs this year, uh, finished 9-7, and seven, falling just short. Um, so we launched into draft season a couple of weeks earlier than last year. So we're going to kind of just go set an overview of what they need right now heading into the offseason. Obviously, some needs will be filled in free agency before we get to the draft. Um, but I think there's a few things that we can pretty much determine at this point that they will be trying to identify in the draft. So with all that being said, Justin, uh, give me your top three needs that you see on this team right now. Yeah, well, for me, Jimmy, it really starts with, you know, number one is going to be edge, in my opinion. You know, with Brian Arakpo announcing his retirement, uh, Derek Morgan hitting free agency, not sure they'll bring him back. Wasn't very productive uh, this season, kind of starting to show his age a little bit. You really just have Harold Landry there, who you're excited for, you know, in the future. You know, guys like Sharif Finch and Kamalai Correa played well in spots. Don't really think those are guys you can count on to be, you know, quality starters going forward. So it really starts with edge for me. I think, um, you know, you have to be able to get to the quarterback, obviously. They didn't do a very good job of that this year from the edge spot specifically. You know, they kind of had to get real creative. And, you know, luckily they got some corners and some linebackers who are very good at blitzing and and disguising uh, that they're coming for the quarterback. But think they need to get more consistent and edge. So that's number one for me, really. Uh, I would say secondary. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Secondly, I would, I'm going to stick with the line. I'm going to go the interior of the defensive line. I think, you know, it's been a long time. Um, where Jarrell Casey's been the best player on that line and rightfully so. But I think it's about time they put someone next to him um, that can really take attention away from him. It's, it's pretty incredible what Jarrell's been able to accomplish over his career uh, with the Titans without playing next to another you know, real, real, real quality defensive lineman. So that's my number two need. I, I think you can make a strong argument that they could go that way uh, in the first round. Uh, and last but not least, obviously, the interior of the offensive line, uh, which really struggled at times. You know, we, we heard John Robinson talk about uh, how they're counting on Josh Klein next year and going forward. So, you know, I, I know a lot of Titans fans were, were curious if they'd move on from Klein. doesn't really seem like something they might do at this point. Well, you know, Quentin Spain is a free agent at the other guard spot. 
Ben Jones had a you know a, a pretty down year at center, so they definitely need to add some talent to the interior and at the very least create some competition for those guys. You know, maybe make them go into camp, uh, you know, not knowing that they're um, you know guaranteed starting jobs and, and see kind of who who wins that battle. So for me, those are the top three. They're pretty obvious in my opinion as well. Yeah, so let's start with Edge. I mean, I agree that that's the thing that they're going to need to address. Like you said, guy Harold Landry last year, think that the I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. We saw flashes of, of brilliance from him in his rookie season. He's only going to get better as he gets more acclimated to the NFL game, uh, develops a couple more pass rush moves, which I think he needs to do. But, you know, when you talk about Edge, you talk, you're really – that's a position you really have to address in the draft. Um, you know, the, these pass rushers don't hit the market. You know, it's very rare where you see even a guy like Khalil Mack, who, you know, the Bears gave up a ton to get and, you know, ended up being what looks like a great move for them. But it, it's really hard even for those guys to be even available via trade. So I think that is definitely a position they will have to address in the draft. And I think they have to do that early in the draft, not necessarily saying they have to do that in the first round. Because like you said, I, I think defensive line um, is, is a close second. I, I think Edge is, is clearly number one. But they just they, they were not good enough in their in their on their line this year and, and off the edge. Um, and so when we talk about those two positions, what how does this draft look as, as far as depth of guys that are going to be available at those two spots? Well, luckily for the Titans, this draft is unbelievably deep at both, you know, edge and defensive tackle. I mean, I'm looking at my uh, big board right now, which I haven't released yet. Obviously, still very much a work in progress. But the top five players on my board either play edge or defensive tackle. So this, this draft it may be historically deep at the top at those two positions. I think you can make an argument that uh, the best out of the best 15 players in this draft, I think a lot of people will tell you that five of them play edge and maybe another three of them play the interior. So it is very, very deep. And, I, you know, some of these guys, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, they're not going to have a chance at getting uh, you know, an Ed Oliver or a Brian Burns. And, you know, I'm not saying those guys will be available at 19, but it's important to remember we've seen in the past with a lot of drafts when when there's one or two positions that are very deep, you'll see teams, you know, kind of start to reach on other positions that aren't as deep because they think, oh, you know what, we'll get one a little bit later. So I think there's an opportunity that one of these guys uh, will be available for the Titans at 19. And to me, you know, if one of those, if they are one of those top edge or, or interior uh, D linemen are available, then to me, it's a kind of a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, and you never know what's going to happen on draft night. I mean, so many of us thought that there was no way that Harold Andrew would be on the board when they picked last year. And then, you know, he was there at the top of the second round and they were able to trade up and get him there. I mean, I, you know, when the, when the Titans traded up on night one, they obviously ended up picking Rashawn Evans. But when they made that move, I really thought they were drafting Harold Landry. Um, I mean, I really thought that that's where they were going. And then he just continued to slide down boards. I mean, again, I think it was probably because of, you know, people being scared of, you know, his injury history, what slowed him in his final season there at Boston College. But, you know, obviously it's harder to find those dynamic guys, I think, later in the draft. Like you said, if this is, if this is a place that's deep, if it's a position that's deep this year, then maybe they don't have to address it in the first round. If, if there's an interior lineman that they think that, you know, can really help them, and there's a few guys sitting there they think will fall to them in the second round, they might have the luxury to be able to go ahead and pick that interior lineman and then wait on the edge guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like as we sit here, uh, we're finally 
Well, we're finally not talking about wide receiver as one of the top three needs. Now I would say wide receiver is probably number four. Um, so, you know, but it, it, as a Titans fan, it, it's it, every draft season is like Groundhog Day. They need a, they need an edge guy. They need an interior offensive lineman. They need a receiver. I mean, I'm telling you, for as long as I've been running Missy Miracles, as long as I've been following the Titans since they came here in 99, it feels like it's been the same thing, um, especially with receivers. There was a time, obviously, when Mike Munchak was here as the offensive line coach where you didn't have the many needs on the offensive line. But it just it, it kind of seems like we, we're always looking for this the same positions year in and year out. And so hopefully, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a couple of guys they think can rush off the edge, um, you know, in the top probably maybe four rounds of this draft. Because like you said, you're losing Arakpo. You know that. I, I, would, I seriously doubt Derek Morgan comes back. Um, so right now you've got Landry, Finch, Correa. I mean, you're, you're really thin there. And you've got guys. I mean, you know, Finch showed some good things at times. Um, I mean, Correa's a, a, a rotational guy. I don't think he's ever a guy that's going to be a, a dynamic playmaker. You need at least two of those guys, and it wouldn't hurt to have another one. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a couple uh, in this draft and just try to really bulk up the, the depth of that position. I agree. I think there's a very good chance they double dip uh, at edge, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I think one thing to watch, obviously, free agency will be interesting to monitor as well. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, premium edge guys rarely hit free agency. Uh, you know, one guy who may is Trey Flowers. Um, you know, that's a guy I think the Patriots may not be able to afford to bring back. And, uh, you know, John Robinson obviously has a thing for expatriates. So that, that may be an interesting one to monitor in free agency if they do decide to splurge um, on, on one premium free agent. I think if Flowers hits the market, he could be that guy. But you're right. Outside of that in the draft, I think they're going to they're gonna have to double dip at some point because they're, they're just too thin there. And, and, and they're, they're, obviously they're young, so you're going to be adding more use to that group. But I don't really think you have a choice. I mean, they, they've been lucky to have – Morgan and Arakpo for the you know the better part of the last you know five or you know five to seven years in terms of uh, being quality starters you know you can count on going into each year. Well, now that time is gone, right? And now it's it's, it's sort of time to retool that position. So there, I think I think you're right. I think they're going to have to double dip at some point. And that's not a position that is necessarily bad. I don't think to be young at. You know, when you talk about receiver, and we talk we spent so much time during the season talking about. They needed, to, they needed to add a veteran receiver. We hoped in the trade deadline they would get a veteran receiver because they were that, that room was just so young. They had no experience there. Um, and I think that is a more important position to have a guy in there that can, that can talk through the nuances of route running and, and getting off jams and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't think you, you want an athlete out there on the edge. I mean, obviously they need to know what's going on and, and know how to play the scheme and that kind of stuff too. But you want those young athletic guys. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem there. Like you're saying, I mean, they just they they just need to get some get some bodies out there. And you saw this year, you know, they got thin there when Arakpo got hurt, uh, when Morgan was was banged up for a little bit. Uh, you know, they just they they got thin there, and that caused a problem. And, and we saw they just they had trouble generating a pass rush this year, except for you know with blitzes like you mentioned, Jayon Brown, corners, Logan Ryan, especially. I mean, those guys were really good at getting pressure coming on a blitz. But it would be really, really nice if they didn't have to do that, if, if they could get pressure other ways. So I, I, I kind of think that's why, you know, Edge is, is at the top of the board. Um, moving on to the interior of the offensive line, you know, I, I think that's a position that hopefully you can address, you know, mid to late rounds here. 
Uh, that's like uh, you know, just thinking back to when Mike Munchak was offensive line coach here. I mean, it, it seemed like every year they would spend a you know fifth, sixth, seventh round pick on a guy. Uh, he would come in, he'd sit on the bench for a couple of years. That some guy ahead of him would leave, go get paid somewhere else. They'd plug this guy in. He'd play for a couple of years. He'd leave to go get paid somewhere else. I mean, they just they had that luxury with Munchak where they were just kind of they could just plug those guys in and they played well. It's it's been an issue here for a long time now. I mean, I remember going all the way back to the Chance Warmack draft. Um, we we're talking about tightening off interior offensive line, and, and you know, we were just all of us. I mean, pretty much everybody. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you were doing draft stuff back then or not, but it, like everybody, well, Warmack's a sure thing, can't miss. I mean, we all thought that, and that turned out to be a disaster. And it seems like I mean, we always talk about the the wide receiver curse that the Titans seem to have, but they've had the same issue it seems lately with the interior offensive line. That group has not been solid. You know, when they brought in Ben Jones initially two years ago, um, he kind of shored some things up, and and they were pretty good there for that year. But th- that group hasn't consistently been good in in really five, six, seven years. No, you're absolutely right. I think, I think uh, you know, two years ago when they brought in Jones, you know, that was Malarkey's first season, I believe. That offensive line was pretty good, and and that's why they had a ton of success and and won a playoff game. I, th- I thought, or sorry. No, that would have been the year I guess they just missed out, right? That would have been right. the year they just yep. missed out. Yeah, that would have been the year they just missed out. My apologies. But uh, that line was pretty good, and, and they did, you know, really, really well. And But since then, it's kind of just, you know, you're right. It, it hasn't been quite as consistent uh, in the years since then, especially the interior. It seemed to have sort of uh, taken a, a turn for the worse. So uh, they're definitely going to have to address that at some point. Like, they don't have the luxury of, of having a Munchak as O-line coach, I can just coach up a sixth-round pick. as not been the case in a long time, as you mentioned. So there are a couple guys who I can see them. Uh, I don't think they'll take one at 19, but perhaps in the second round, I've identified a couple of prospects who who I think are top 32 talents, but you know may not all be first-round picks kind of thing. So uh, they'll definitely have some options in round two or three, I, I believe, to, to kind of uh, grab a guy who can come in and compete and start from day one if needed. You know, you mentioned Josh Klein. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, want him gone, but I'm just, that's not going to happen. I mean, you said the same thing. Um, when you look at the way his contract structured next year, um, you if you cut him, you only save three point two five million, and you got three and a half million in dead money. So that's just not it, it's not you know cap conducive really to move on from him. I mean, if you decide you just really don't want him, I guess you can do that. But I don't know. He was he was bad. I don't know if he was that bad. Uh, the guy that's interesting to me is Quentin Spain. I, mean, I think Ben Jones is going to get cut. Um, he's been down for the last couple of years. You save four point five million if you cut him with only eight hundred seventy five thousand in dead money. So I mean, that one to me kind of seems like a no brainer. But Quentin Spain is interesting, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I mean, he's a guy that has you know an undrafted guy. He's come in. He's played well. I think he would get decent money on the open market. I'm just not sure if the Titans can afford it. I mean, they can afford it against the cap, but I just don't know how much money you want to have tied up in, the, in that interior of offensive line. He's a guy that I think they might let test the market, and I think he gets more money to play somewhere else than what the Titans were, were willing to, to give him. Now, that's fine. I mean, he, he, I, I think he's a, he's a serviceable player. I think you can absolutely do better than him, but you could also absolutely do worse. But if he does go and they do move on from Ben Jones, then you've at least got to replace two of those three guys inside. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Titans fans, you know, see are higher on Spain than the team is. Um, I get that feeling because, you know, going back, 
uh, I, I can't remember exactly which game it was now. It was late into the year. They decided to bench one of those interior linemen. Well, they benched Spain, right? He was the first right, one to yeah. go. They didn't bench Jones or Klein like a lot of fans thought they would. It was Spain who got benched. Corey Levin came in, started at center, and they moved Jones to guard. So um, I, I don't expect Spain to be back, to be honest. I, they seem to be lower on him uh, out of the three for, for whatever reason. You know, I, I, I think I'm with most Titans fans who, who thought he was the best performing of the three, but clearly the team feels otherwise. So with him hitting free agency, I do expect him to get a pretty decent payday elsewhere. I don't think it'll be in Tennessee. Now, you mentioned cutting Jones. I'm actually going to I'm gonna slightly disagree with you there. I can understand where you're coming from from a cap standpoint. You know, saving $4.5 million is a decent amount of money. It's also not a lot of money. It's kind of, you know, they paid Benny Logan that this year, right? Yes. I know that's a different, exactly, different side of the ball. But that's kind of what starters cost nowadays, if you get my drift, right? Like low-level, mid-level replacement starters kind of cost that. So it's not a whole lot of money. You cut Ben Jones for 4 and a half. You got to sign someone else for four and a half. Well, I'm not sure it's going to be so much better than him. I think one option that maybe, um, you know, that they may pursue is we saw Jones play guard, right? When they bent Spain. So I think that's a possibility. Maybe Spain leaves elsewhere. Maybe they move Jones over to guard and, you know, and draft the center in the first, you know, in the first three rounds. Or they sign a center in free agency. And that way they, they kind of only have to fill one of those spots. You know, Robinson talked today about how important. Uh, he believes continuity is on the offensive line. So I, I don't think we're going to see a full reshuffle of that interior like some people think. I think one spot will for sure uh, get moved over. I think that'll be Spain. And I'm I, I'm kind of 50-50 on if they'll replace Jones, but I'm kind of leaning towards no on that front. Well, you know, it's interesting. But I don't know how much you buy into the pro football focus grades. Um, I, I think they're good for some things, and I, I think they're not as good for others. I, I tend to – Listen, not, I don't know if listen to them, but read a little bit more into them when it comes to offensive line play just because I figure they got somebody watching it that can, they can read it better than I can. But when you look at the way those guys graded out, I mean, Ben Jones was, was easily the highest graded of, of those guys. Um, I think he was 11th ranked center overall in the league, 69.8 grade. And then Spain, 62.3, Klein, 58, and then Corey Levin, 54.3. So, I mean, nobody great there, but like you're saying, um, you know, Ben Jones, he did, he did play at least well enough. And, and, you know, it was that game where they, when they did bench Spain and they moved Jones over and, and Corey Levin came in, that was, you know, when the run game really kind of started taking off. Now it obviously continued to do well. And I think a, that had a lot more to do with the, you know, Derrick Henry deciding to run over people instead of trying to run around them all the time. Um, I mean, so I mean, I think that really helped, but maybe you're right. I mean, maybe that, that is a the route they go because I, like you're saying, I just, I don't think. I don't think you want two new guys in there. Like I said, I mean, if you upgrade, sure, that's great. But, you know, there is something to be said for continuity. Uh, You know, they didn't have the same five guys play on the line very often this year with, you know, um, Jack Conklin starting out the year hurt and then, you know, getting hurt midseason. And they had Pam Field come in there for a little bit. And then he got hurt. Taylor Lewan missed the game. I mean, you know, they, they had a lot of stuff going on on that offensive line, and they weren't able to play together as much as you would like to see. So hopefully that changes next year and they can get – I mean, listen, the, the overall injury luck for this team hopefully changes next year because it was, it was really bad this year after they ran really, really good the, the couple of years before that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think they at least bring in one guy that starts either at center or guard, and then maybe they bring in another guy, whether it be, you know, later in the draft, 
um, just to bring in some competition and then look, kind of looking forward. Because, again, you've got – I mean, Ben Jones, Josh Klein, both, neither one of them are, are, you know, really young at this point. So you could start to look to the future a little bit at that position. And, you know, honestly, in this draft, I mean, you, you, you do have some clear needs. And like we talked about, the, the three that Justin mentioned, and then I think you throw a receiver in there as well. Um, but, I mean, I, I think they can address that one in free agency. But, you know, you, you've got some places on the roster where you are pretty solid. So they might be able, kind of in those middle rounds, to, to take a guy that they think needs a, needs a year or so to develop, and then you can plug him in, win a guy like Ben Jones or Josh Klein, whatever, whatever it may be, when you're, when you're ready to move on from one of those guys. I agree. I think their best bet is to, you know, re, you know, in short, replace one of them for certain and then maybe add some competition to another one of those spots to kind of keep a guy on their heels. So whether that's, you know, whether you, you sign a center in free agency and you move Jones over to guard to replace Spain and then maybe you draft, a, you know, another guard or center uh, in the second or third round, someone who can come and push Jones or Klein for one of those guard spots. I think that's probably the best route for them to take. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, the the I mean, we just quickly talk about the kind of the roster as a whole. I think John Robinson has obviously done a good job since he took over here. I, I think there have been some places that he's missed, and I think it, it seems to me, and, and you can give me your opinion on this, it seems to me if, if he has a fault, it's maybe overvaluing the guys that he has, whether it be guys that he scouted, drafted, signed in free agency or whatever. Um, I, I think sometimes he thinks that the guys that are here are going to, you know, make that big jump where you're kind of like, well, you know, if this guy improves in this way, then we'll be fine there and we don't really have to address the position. It just seems like there were a couple of spots. Um, I, I feel like they should have done more on the interior of the line. I feel like they should have done more at receiver last offseason um, to, to upgrade those positions. Defensive line, kind of same story. I mean, they gave a bunch of money to Daquan Jones. And, like, he's fine. But they, they really need to upgrade that position. They haven't been able to find a nose tackle, um, really, since they went to the 3-4. So, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on John Robinson. We've we talked a lot about him. But I, I just, like, I, I think he's done a good job. There's no doubt that this, this roster is a million times better than it was when he took it over. Um, but I do think he's, he's missed in some spots. Or, or maybe just, like I said, given too much credit to the guys that were already here, and it's kept him from – feeling a need that was there that he didn't think was there. Yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from on that point. Obviously, as you mentioned, the roster is in a million times better shape than it was, uh, you know, the day he got here. So he's done a great job in that regard. Uh, you know, the, the D-line is one that kind of bothers me more than others, specifically nose tackle, because, you know, he came in, you know, I, you could argue two of his biggest whiffs so far were well, paying Sylvester Williams that money, you know. I mean, luckily they were able to get out of that fairly quickly, but he's a bit of a disaster at nose tackle. Now this year they paid Denny Logan again. It was, you know, just a one-year deal, so it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. But, you know, Logan may have been – Benny Logan may have been the most um, – if there was one player on the roster I almost didn't notice the entire season, it was Benny Logan, to be honest with you. So, you know, he kind of just came and went. So – and he paid – I think he got about $4.5 million in free agency. So – He's whipped pretty badly on nose tackle. And what makes that hurt even more is that they had Antoine Woods on the roster the entire time, who they just flat out cut in the Cowboys signs. And he's, he's done a great job playing nose tackle for the Cowboys. You know, part of the reason the Dallas defense was so good this year. So I, I, nose tackle is one that really bothers me. I see what you mean about Daquan Jones as well. Uh, you know, it, they paid him a, a whole lot of money. And I was in favor of that contract, to be honest, when they announced it. I thought he was really good the year before, before he suffered that injury. But 
kind of disappointed this year. Didn't play at the level I expected him to. And, you know, coming back from that injury could have had a lot to do with that. But I can definitely see what you mean, that maybe he, he ignores perhaps certain things that we think uh, are more pressing. Receiver, for sure, is one of them. be interesting to see what they do there uh, this offseason because I don't think they can, they're in a position where they can draft another receiver or count on another young receiver. They're obviously incredibly young at the position, as is. You know, your, your two main guys being Davis and Taylor, you know, drafted in the same class. So I don't think that's something they can afford to do, to throw another young receiver right into the mix. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they chase one of those guys in free agency because I do think they need a vet to shore up that room. Oh, I'm absolutely with you on that. Yeah, they can't have another young – I mean, it's not that they can't have another young guy in the room, but they need a guy in the room that's a veteran that is, you know, working towards the top of the rotation. I mean, I think Corey Davis is your number one. But, listen, I, I go go overpay for Golden Tate. He's a guy that they could really use. I, I'm all on the Tyrell Williams train. I, you know, anyway, we don't know if these guys will hit free agency or not. But, I, I mean, they're just, they, they've got a clear need there. And, like you said, it, it needs to come from a veteran. It, they don't need another even, young guy in, in even that group. A, even in Adam Humphreys, you know, in Tampa yeah, Bay. I know yeah, he's absolutely. a free agent. I'm pretty high on him. Very reliable guy. You know, runs great routes, has excellent hands. And, you know, Tampa Bay – Got a very good receiver depth chart down there, right? Between Evans and and Jackson and and Godwin, obviously being a big piece for them going forward. So Humphreys is a guy they may not be able to afford to resign. Uh, you know, I think that'd be a sneaky good signing for the Titans as well. Yeah, absolutely. They need somebody like that that can come in here, that can run good routes, that can handle the underneath stuff, that's good against zone, can win against man too. Because I mean, I, I think they struggle with that a little bit. I think Corey Davis is great when you got him man to man. But I, he struggled against the zone a little bit. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. And that, that, to me, needs to come from free agency. And, and I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to them signing two guys that can come in and be your number two and your number three. Uh, give me your thoughts, and this is the last thing we'll do here. Taewon Taylor. Uh, he, he is very perplexing to me. There are times where you obviously see him in the preseason. You know, he took that screen to the house, the big game against the Jets. But then there are times where he's running down the field, looks like he can't find the ball. He catches the screen and runs right into the back of his blocker. I just, I, I, I don't know what they have in him. I'm not ready to give up on him, but I also think you cannot go into another season with him as your number two receiver. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with your assessment. Um, you definitely can't go into next year with him as your number two again. I think that you know the issue with him has just been inconsistencies. Uh, like you said, he'll look great one day and then totally lost the next. And last year. And I published this, so it's not a secret. But I had a good chat with uh, receiver coach Frisman Jackson, who was uh, on Malarkey's staff, obviously, was let go by Vrabel. But he was obviously the receiver coach for Davis and, and Taylor's working year. And I asked him about that. I said, you know, what, what did you think about Taewon? And he just said to me, because you know, I think he kind of hit that rookie wall in the middle of year one. We were counting on him an awful lot. We had some injuries at receiver. You know, I think it was Eric Decker who was out. For a bit, so he goes, you know, we, we we count, we've put a lot on this plate, we counted on him, and I think he hit a bit of a wall. And I think, you know, Taylor's probably kind of still experiencing that issue where maybe they're just relying on him a little bit too much right now. You know, you'd like to think entering year three, you can count on a guy. So um, if they can't, they'll be disappointed. But I, I agree that they need to add someone there uh, to be the number two. I, I think he's probably a better fit out of a slot anyway. And and let me, and I will say this. You know, I'm not going to dog that, that pick or anything because when they announced that pick, I was slamming the table for Taewon Taylor. He was one of my favorite prospects in that class. The tape was excellent. 
uh, and more so to me, the testing was eye-popping. Like, I think it was his shuttle time. Uh, excuse me, I think it was the, the 10-yard shuttle or his three-cone time was, like, legendary good for, for a receiver in the draft. Like, it was, like, one of the best numbers in the last 10 years for any receiver. And you saw that on tape. I thought the short area quickness, very, very explosive player. So I, I was very excited about that pick, and I, I've expected more out of him than they've gotten. So you're right. I'm kind of in that same place where I certainly haven't given up on him, and I don't think they have either. But I'm, I'm certainly not comfortable with going into another year with him as the number two. I think he's a better fit out of a slot anyway and should operate as your number three. Yeah, and I do I do think he still has a chance to be a productive receiver, but just not at, at the top of the rotation like he has been here for the last couple of years. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, like I said, we will be covering everything draft, uh, you know, Shrine Game, Senior Bowl, Combine, all that stuff coming up. We'll have plenty of stuff from that. Um, if you've been reading Justin's uh, interviews at museummiracles.com, you know, he's got a lot of connections, a lot of guys. We'll, we'll get some guests on for you um, as we work through the draft process here. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Again, it's just the MCM radio feed. Uh, you, can, you can search that out, and you'll get this show, MCM Draft Radio, as well as football and other F-words. So, uh, and, and follow us on Twitter. I am at MCM. Uh, Justin is at JustinM underscore NFL. So thanks so much for listening to MCM Draft Radio, and we will talk to you again next week. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.